Welcome to the Think Yourself Healthy Podcast, where you meet the intersection of mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Heather Duranja, founder of Nutrition Vixen, registered dietitian, nutritionist, personal trainer, and cognitive behavioral specialist. I'm a mother, author, self-improvement junkie, and recovering perfectionist turned professional half-asser. Each week, I'll be bringing on a guest or a topic that will help you go from surviving to thriving. Are you with me? All right, here we go with today's episode. So today on the show, we have Eliza, who is a licensed psychotherapist who helps clients struggling with food addiction, body image, and emotional eating. Eliza is the author of the best-selling book, Brain-Powered Weight Loss, and her work has been featured on Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, NBC Health, and CNN Health, Health, Health Magazine, Mind Body Green, and many more. She has been a member of scientific advisory boards in the field of obesity with the best research minds in the industry, and she has trained hundreds of clinicians to work with food and body image issues. She is turning the diet industry on its heads by combining the science of nutrition with the psychology of eating to create lasting results for her clients. OMG, that is quite a bio, Missy. (laughs) Wow, I am so honored to have you on and have, uh, you know, the, the, ability to have you talk to the, the, the audience and share your expertise. I think you and I are very much um, like-minded when it comes uh, yeah. approach with helping individuals set up realistic expectations for themselves when it comes to eating. Absolutely. The problem is there's always an emotion that is behind it all. So with that being said, why do people truly yo-yo diet and how do we get off of the roller coaster? I think that's something that everyone struggles with. So can you talk to me about that? Yeah, I'd love to. And I agree with you. I think you and I um, are so aligned and I'm honored to be here with you. I love the work that you're doing. Um, I feel like we are, we're still on the same page with, with, with this stuff and, and with all of the almost junk that's out there. Um, you know, all of these messages and how do we lose weight and how do we lose it quickly and how do we lose it permanently? And I think with all of the messages that are saturated in the industry, it becomes hard for people to tease through um, what is junk and what is real. Um, And and on this question of yo-yo dieting, I think the the biggest mistake I see people make is that they jump from program to program to program because they'll try something and it quote doesn't work for them for quote whatever reason. I mean this is the this is what people say to me. I tried this, it didn't work for me. Here was the reason. I'm going to try something else. And the truth is when you jump from nutrition program to nutrition program to nutrition program without evaluating why it was or how it was or what it was that kept you from being successful with the last program, you bring yourself into the next program, don't you? You bring the same person that you were into the next thing that you're going to try and you assume that the answer lies somewhere externally. In the next program, in the next meal plan, in the next, you know, whatever it is, nutrition fad, and you don't evaluate or look at what part of you, your behaviors, your values, your belief systems, whatever, kept you from being successful with the last one. And that is what keeps people on this yo-yo diet is never really looking at what is underneath all of that and who you are in relation to what you're trying. Right. I I agree with that so much. I think that's a really valid, you know, perspective that people need to take into consideration when attempting to start any kind of program is what are you bringing? What are you bringing to the table? And how are the actual, you know, I hear all the time as a dietitian, everyone's like, can you make me a meal plan? And tell me, can't you just tell me what to eat? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you what to eat. I can make you a meal plan, but guess what? It's not going to effing work. So you're wasting my time and I don't like to have time wasted. And I know that that sounds really harsh. People are kind of like, taken back when I'm very in their face in that sense yeah. when, yeah, I can do it, but I'm not going to because it's pointless and it's a waste of my time. 
So I, I totally feel you on that. So how do people, how do they, where do they start? How do they figure out what they're bringing to that program? Yeah. So I have them, I have people deconstruct themselves. And honestly, I love your straightforward attitude. I feel like mine is the same. I, I um, have a lot of expectations for people when they come work with me and I'll say, listen, um, you know, coming to work with me is work. You, we're going to have to do some work. And so if you're ready and willing to do that, it, it, it takes some dedication. It takes some time commitment. Um, like you, you know, everybody wants, tell me what to eat, get meal plan, all of that stuff. Um, and the truth is you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't work not only because it's a waste of your time, but it's a waste of their time too. Um, anyways, back to your question. Um, so what I'll have people do is deconstruct who they are. And so if what they're used to is tracking, most people are used to tracking calories, right? Calories and food content. I have them track their behaviors. I don't care what you eat or how much, honestly. I care your I care about your behaviors because what happens is somebody will try a program or a you know, they'll be prescribed a number of calories or something like that and they'll say, for instance, um I'm not going to eat sugar today, right? And that is their focus. I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not going to eat sugar. And inevitably, something happens along the way throughout the day, and they find themselves eating something that was off their plan. And then the next thing, instead of saying, hmm, I'm going to look at the thing that derailed me from my plan, they get up again and say, I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not going to eat sugar. So we go back and we deconstruct it. And I say, um, instead of looking at what the calorie content was, let's look at the calorie context, right? What are your patterns? What is the thing that happened? So for a week, we look at the calorie context. And all I want them to do is write down what were their patterns around eating? Were they hungry? Were they full? Were they stressed? Were they bored? Were they tired? And I'll be honest with you, a lot of people have a hard time, at least initially, connecting that emotion or pattern or trigger or whatever it is. But if you just look at it from a food habit standpoint to begin with, oftentimes you can start to deconstruct what's underneath that habit after they start to even just become aware that, oh my gosh, every day at three o'clock, I'm doing so great. And then all of a sudden, right, all the, the air quote, all of the sudden, I end up over consuming XYZ at three o'clock every day. I didn't even realize I did that, right? And you go back and you deconstruct and look at the patterns. So the first step is looking at the habits. So why do you think it's so challenging for individuals to actually look at those patterns, to be honest with themselves about what's really going on? Yeah, well, you know this um, because of your background and your training, but our brain's entire job is to keep us safe, right? Yeah. And so when we start to shift outside of those natural pathways, the brain starts to fight you and goes, no, 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 you know, this is our habit. This is, this is what we have done to keep us safe for this many number of years. And even if that pattern doesn't serve you, the brain doesn't know that. All it knows is very simple math. You are alive. Here are the habits that you have engaged in. These habits have kept you alive. We're going to keep doing those. It doesn't know that habits aren't serving you or that you're unhappy with them or that you don't like them or you want to change them. All it knows is it's keeping you alive. So when you start to shift things, when you start to look at things and kind of stir things up and get it messy, it very quickly and oftentimes um, almost unconsciously will direct you back to the habit and the pattern that has least resistance to what it knows. Mm -hmm. And so if you're starting to shift those things and you're starting to look at patterns, the brain is going to go, I don't know, let's just go back to what we know, which is calorie counting and dieting and taking out this. And we're not going to look at, you know, we're not going to eat sugar. That is the thing that the brain knows how to do. And so it will very quickly put you back in that. Pattern. So it comes we need focused attention on knowing that the brain's going to fight us and say, that's okay. There's going to be discomfort as I try to change. And we take small steps, right? So I said, we're going to track your habits for a week. That's all we're going to do. And oftentimes the people will come back to me and say, man, that was really hard to do for a week. Can we do it another week? I didn't do it, right? Great. Now we're going to do it another week um, and, and, and baby steps into that as we start to retrain the brain. And I think that this is where coaching comes into play. Oh, absolutely. It's 
necessary because there is so much resistance. We're not really willing to be honest and truthful with ourselves about yeah. our behaviors and that neurological system that is already set into place. I mean, most often when a woman comes to me looking for, you know, um, advice, help on trying to become healthier, lose weight, we have to undo literally decades of yeah. behavior. And yeah. unfortunately, it's not going to happen overnight. No. And there's usually a lot of resistance. And we have to be very, very simplistic, set very, very small goals. So when someone is trying to do it themselves, it can be very discouraging because they really aren't setting themselves up with success by being honest that they need the accountability. They need yeah. someone to help dissect, right? Like pull back the layers of where all of the, the uh, behaviors began and how to yeah. start setting themselves up for a successful pathway to being sustainable. So, yeah, you're right. And I think the other thing that happens, I think that's absolutely true that um, coaching becomes necessary uh, for that accountability, but also as a reminder and someone who's taking a 30,000 foot view and is not so close to it that they're not, you know, someone who's so close to it and in it every day has all this junk and, and, and this crowded space in the brain and they're in the, you know, the brain is literally fighting with each other as it starts to change. Someone outside of that can take the 30,000 foot view and, and redirect and get people um, back on the path. But in addition to that, I think um, people are also afraid that it's not going to work, right? So when there is this, when they're faced with coaching or, or whatever it is, an investment of some sort, there's this fear. Um, I've tried lots of things. It hasn't worked for me in the past. This isn't going to work. And that fear in and of itself, as you know, is the thing that makes it not work because yeah. that is the brain saying, no, 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 we don't do things this way. We do things this way. We're not going to get off that course. I'm going to keep you safe here and keep doing things like this. So that fear in and of itself is the thing that keeps people stuck. And a coach can help you understand the fear, recognize the fear, replace the fear, and then reinforce it in a different way. Yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. I know personally, um, throughout my journey, I was an individual who was very resistant to, mm. I was the expert of myself, right? <laughs> like I figure it all out. Yes. So yeah. I decided to become an entrepreneur. Okay. I went to school. I got training. I have a master's degree, but guess what? They did not teach me a freaking thing oh. about business. Yeah. So I had to have that honest conversation with myself and say, look, Heather, you are an expert in all of these other areas, but you are not an expert in business. And yeah. so I saw the value in hiring coaches to help me become a businesswoman. Yeah. So why do you think women, men, I, I think women are more resistant than men. Um, but why do you think we're so resistant to reaching out and asking for help and investing in ourselves through a coaching program? Hmm. Well, I think as, as we just talked about a little bit, it, well, first of all, I think it comes from fear of that, you know, if I invest in this thing and I don't see the return on that investment, then, you know, I've, I've wasted my money or something like that. I think that is a, is a big one. Um, I also think again, that we, there's this unknown, there's this sort of nebulous out there going, well, I have all of this um, nutrition knowledge, right? You can go and read any book and, all, and, and you, your head is filled with knowledge and you think um, none of that has worked for me. I don't see the path. Mm -hmm. I don't see how it all fits together and creates lasting change. There's this different level of a lack of, of belief. Um, and, I, and I think... Um, one of the things that people have a hard time doing is this surrender, you know, this sort of, I don't really see how it's going to work out, but I have a belief that it will. And honestly, um, for some people, so that's one piece, but then for some people, the pain of where they are currently has to get larger than this fear of what it will take to change. And once people hit that critical mass, 
then it's sort of, I'll do anything, you know, please help me. I'll it, 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 surrender is almost forced on them because the thought of staying exactly where they are um, overshadows this fear of what if it fails or I don't know how to get there. Um, and, and honestly, I'll be honest with you, that is when I most like to work with a client because until people are there, that unconscious mechanism that pulls them back into old patterns of behavior is so strong. Um, it's funny in all of my clients, I, I warn them in the beginning and then we'll remind them where they're there. They're, every single client will hit a patch of resistance every single one right and i'm sure you see the same thing that there is a bell curve you know we're, we're going along we're going along we're going along we hit this peak nothing's working for me i don't think this is going to work for me you know what are we doing here you help them through that as a coach right. and then they go down the other side so typically um when a person isn't working with a coach i like to call that place where they hit the bell curve self-sabotage that resistance comes into play yeah. and then we sabotage ourselves from being absolutely forward right so absolutely a coach i think personally this is um valuable because the coach can actually help you recognize that you're in that self-sabotage pattern and help yeah. get you to move past move past yeah. that point otherwise we stay in that vicious cycle i like to call the hamster wheel mm -hmm. we're just circulating through the process of you know as you call it the yo-yo dieting all of yeah. that the roller coaster basically um and isn't that where you see the most transformation is oh. when people do hit that resistance and you're there to help them down the other side that is where the magic happens happens Absolutely. because that is where the repatterning happens yeah. that's where the restructuring cognitively happens is in that resistance and that's my favorite piece yes and i think that it's important for people to recognize that um typically we judge ourselves when we're in that space right we are yeah. so hard on ourselves because of our limiting beliefs the narratives that we've adapted yeah. to this point so Having a non-biased person help us through that can help us take that judgment piece out. Yeah. I'm, I'm the worst. Like I, I hosted a retreat over the weekend and um, I was my own worst enemy mm. this whole weekend because it rained and the vision that I had for myself um, oh, yeah. did not, you know, play out. And yeah. so I literally was sitting there in so much judgment that I was actually not being present and not really being able to deliver the value that I ultimately was trying to provide. So yeah. I had to have that tough conversation with myself and say, Heather, what the hell are you doing here? Let it go. <laughs> like, you can't control the weather. It is what it yeah. is. And let's yeah. make the best of this so that we yeah. can grow. And it's funny because I think I grew more than than a lot of the women that came for the retreat. I was it was such a self-discovery of really recognizing those judgment patterns that I was Yeah. And so. even though you know better, right? I mean, it's a practice for all of us. I think that is another big mistake people make is that they focus, they're so focused on the outcome. Uh -huh. And if, you know, if, if all you're doing is focusing on the outcome and you can't see the path to that outcome, you're going to derail yourself very quickly because your mind is going to say, hey, here's this thing that I'm trying. It's not directly affecting the outcome. Therefore, it's not working. We're not gonna do it. If you instead focus on the process, right? If you, if you stay focused on the process and let go of the outcome, then all of the things that you're doing start to come into place. The puzzle pieces start to fit together and you'll look back and go, oh, wait a second, that outcome was accomplished. So like with what you were just saying, you know, right? You you do this work with people. We know that judgment doesn't help us. That expectations don't help us. Staying in that place doesn't help us. And an old version of you, if I had to guess, would have had a totally different experience with that weekend. It doesn't mean that we never have those thoughts. But when you're when you're able to focus on the process of wait a second. Here's how I get myself out of those thoughts. Here's how I recognize them. Here's how I shift them. Here's how I repeat that so I don't do it again this weekend. Look at that. You, you had transformation in the moment of resistance. That is true change, right? It's not this lack of 
negative thoughts or challenging situations ever showing up in your life is the ability to recognize it quicker, shift quicker, and then have a beautiful experience from it. Right. And you would never have gotten that if all you were looking at was, how is this weekend going to go? This is my expectation. This is my expectation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I like to call that my toolbox. I have really built up that toolbox so that I have the ability to pull out the appropriate tools when needed because like totally. we can't avoid those moments. They're no. going to yeah. And I think that that's where people have a lot of misconception that they think that they, you know, they're going to be able to change behavior and then they're never ever going to face those circumstances again and the reality is no, you are. That's yeah. why have to change the approach with behavior and yeah. that toolbox so you know what pull, what tools to pull out in Absolutely. that moment that yeah. are going to help set you back up for success so that yeah. you can get back on the path quicker you know um the old version of me i would have i would have literally transpired into a state of anxiety depression <sighs> that would have yeah lasted for months maybe yeah. a year maybe two years God only knows like you know and I'm very grateful to be at the place I'm at where I can have those moments recognize yeah. the behavior recognize the pattern pull out the tool do the work in the moment and get back on track and most beautifully be able to grow from it be able to yeah. have that moment of transformation yeah it was so beautiful <laughs> it was like it was so hard. It was so challenging in the moment, but, um, yeah. and you know, I, I grew and I am so grateful for having that opportunity. Yeah. I love that. That, and you can feel it in your story. There's so much beautiful energy there. Like, like you're saying, isn't that, isn't that it though? This giving people the toolbox, like you call it so that it doesn't matter what situation. I mean, I know you and I both in our own ways work with people who are struggling with weight, but it doesn't matter you know, what holiday party comes up or what stressful situation happens or whatever. It's not about, okay, let me make sure I stick to my certain number of calories that day. It's about being able to go into any situation and say, no matter what happens here, not only am I okay, but I also know how to handle it. I have all these things and these tools and these abilities. I'll know what to choose. If that one doesn't work, I'll try something else. But like, I'm okay here. This is not going to derail me or send me into a downward spiral. That is the most beautiful shift. I love I, yeah, I, I agree. So why is it necessary for us to heal from the inside out in order to make lasting change? Mm. Oh, that's, it's like my favorite question. Um, because every time we look externally and say, and and again, I'll just use an example from our population. It's usually, okay, what diet, how many calories, should I eliminate this? Am I allergic to that? And don't get me wrong, I am not saying to not seek medical help or to understand your physiology and biology. And if you're, you know, allergic to something, that I'm not saying to bypass those things. Every time we look externally for the thing that we can put a Band-Aid on and say, okay, if I try this external thing, then my internal patterns and behaviors certainly will shift, won't that, won't they? You know, won't I be able to stick to the plan as soon as I find the plan that works for me? That's an external motivator. That's an external, the plan is always external. Right. And, and I say this with the caveat, I love every nutrition program, every I mean, every nutrition program, every quote diet program has worked for somebody really well. So whatever somebody wants to use, um, great. That's, it's fantastic. But if we're not looking at, again, like I said in the beginning, who you are in relation to that program, the habits that get you derailed from that program, the triggers that take you away from that program, the patterns that get you off course from that program, then you're just going to do the same thing over and over again. So if you miss the work, of healing or looking at it from the inside out, it just keeps you stuck. And every time you get stuck, you lose a little bit more motivation to try something new and you're a little more hopeless, right? And so, because, because you view it as a, it's funny, you use an external um, program 
and then you view it as an internal failure, right? right. So if you if you pick a program, I won't pick on any program, but let's say you pick a program, a nutrition profile, you don't stick to it, you inevitably are gathering evidence for why you're a failure. And so that becomes internal evidence, even though it's an external program that you tried. It's the funny way our brains work, right? And so um, what I love to do most with people is help them understand that we have to drop all of, um, we kind of have to drop all of what we know about the way to approach a healthy weight and be willing to surrender to it and say, okay, wait a second, there has to be a better way for this. Let me look internally. And again, you start with habits, which is so much easier to approach than emotions and triggers. And what are you feeling right now? People will say, I have no, I have no idea. <laughs> you have to kind of gingerly step your toe in that water. Um, but, but once people start to do the healing from the inside out, that, which is what you were talking about with your weekend um, and how you transformed, that was inside out healing. That was you recognizing and having an awareness of what was happening for you internally and then picking a toolbox and picking a tool from your toolbox, trying it on and having something fit. People will get the confidence of being able to address any situation in their life if they heal the source of their suffering rather than putting a band-aid on it with another external program. Right. I, I, so beautifully said, like mm -hmm. you could not have articulated that more perfect, you know, like, oh, thank so you. Beautiful. So how, so, you know, I think that there's a stigma around therapy, right? Like, mm. people are like, Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. um, how how does healing not have to look like the traditional lie on the couch, you know, yeah. surrendering? So kind of talk to me about that um, in terms of what can it look like instead? Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, there is this stigma, right? Everybody has this picture of somebody laying down on the couch and the therapist you know, how does that make you feel? <laughs> sort of all of this. And, and people think like, I'm gonna have to drudge up all this, all these repressed childhood memories. I don't want to go through all that. Right. Um, you know, first and foremost is to have, to find a connection with somebody. Honestly, even as a, as a therapist, I know that my connection with the person, the energy being exchanged between the two is the most important piece in that, in that change and transformation. But beyond that, um, there is a misnomer that therapists need to kind of drudge through all your childhood memories. Sure, sometimes that is necessary or that goes there when it's, when it's willing and necessary from the client. But a lot of times it's really um, someone reflecting to you from, again, that sort of 30,000 foot view, things that they can see, patterns of behaviors. Um, if, if they're a skilled therapist, they're asking the right questions to get you to understand for yourself what is getting in the way, right? And they're leading you towards these intrinsic and internal motivators and helping you uncover uh, just your conscious and unconscious patterning, patterning. And that, you know, that doesn't take going into deep emotional work necessarily. That takes almost a coaching and a guiding um, lens, really. And it, and so I say that to say, um, yes, there are definitely times and situations if someone is dealing with a, a good level of trauma and, and, and history there, those people usually aren't as averse to therapy because they understand um, that they have a need for it. But for someone who's just looking to um, understand themselves better or change their patterns in a different way or, hey, what might be getting in, in my way? Cognitive behavioral restructuring doesn't take this, you know, sort of deep peeling back of the layers. And in fact, one of the techniques I love to use most, use most is emotional freedom technique or more commonly known as tapping. Um, and tapping is this incredibly powerful um, way to, I'll go as far as to say eliminate, but at least severely reduce some subconscious blockers that don't require you going you know, deep into your past and is really powerful and you can do on your own. And that's what I love to give most to people is things that they can do without me, without you, without the, you know, without relying on a coach all the time for that healing. Another thing in their toolbox, as you would yeah. say. 
And yeah. the reality is, is everyone's toolbox is going to look very different. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you, I, I know for myself when trying to um, help clients find their way, we have to be very realistic about their specific circumstances. And, yeah. and the reality is, is where they're at right now is probably going to change. And mm -hmm. so make sure that there's a variety of tools in that box in order yeah. to set themselves up for success sustainably long term um, yeah. without having to be reliant upon a coach or yeah. know, a therapist or you know a dietitian or whatever yeah. it might be. Um, yeah. I, I love that cognitive behavioral therapy is such a core component of your program. Um, you know that that's a huge thing I think that a lot of people don't realize um, how our behaviors impact, how our thoughts impact our behaviors, right? Yeah. yeah. And the reality is it starts with our mind. That's why Always. I named this podcast, Think Yourself Healthy, because yeah. I see in, in myself, you know, my journey began with getting diagnosed with this kidney disease and not being yeah. able to obtain insurance. And um, the reality was I was looking at transplant or dialysis in mm. a short amount of time, and that was frightening. So that was the thing that allowed me to decide that I needed to invest in myself to yeah. create a different pathway. Um, but it's, it, it can be challenging for people to get there. I think a lot of times when we're overweight, we're low energy, we're not yeah. Well, we've tried every single program and they haven't worked. We surrender. Yeah. yeah. Tried everything, nothing's going to work. Yeah. So we're basically telling ourselves we can't. Yeah, nothing's going to work. Yep. Yeah. Work, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, what is the fine line between restriction and intention? Can you talk to me about how that is different? Yeah, um, I love that because, again, all of the sort of junk that's out there um, in in the food industry, and I think people get surprised when they hear me say from a from a therapeutic perspective. People assume, oh, therapeutic perspective, like I must. Um, I should say not not everybody assumes, but a lot of people will assume, oh, I must not be in support of people staying away. from from certain foods. They assume that I only do intuitive eating with people. Um, and I'll save that conversation for a, a different day. But uh, for me, to your point of everything begins with a thought, your perception of whether something is in restriction or whether it is intention is entirely up to you. And what I mean by that is two people can go into the same Starbucks, let's call it, and choose the protein pack. Um, you know, if, if you've ever been to Starbucks, they have these protein packs. Uh, and two people can go in and choose the protein pack, the exact same choice, but one of them is from restriction and one of them is from intention. And the person from restriction has all these thoughts that says, I can't have the blueberry muffin. I can't have a cake pot. That's not on my diet. I'm not allowed. I need to do the protein pack. I have to have that. If I don't, I'll gain weight. If I don't, I won't be on my plan, right? Those are all restrictive, restrictive thoughts. Right. A person can go in and choose the very same protein pack for the very same reason of wanting to stay, stay healthy and feel like it supports their health, but they're choosing it with thoughts of this feels supportive to me. I know that when I eat the blueberry muffin that afterwards, not only am I hungry quicker, but it doesn't satiate me for long or whatever it is. They're saying thoughts to themselves about how the protein pack feels nourishing for them rather than I can't have this. I can't have that. It's the same choice. It's the same outcome, but the thoughts that you put into it are entirely up to you. And so it's training people to listen to what those thoughts are and then ask the right questions. Okay, if you give yourself permission to have the cake pop or the frappuccino or whatever it is, what, what do you feel when you do that? Is it nourishing? Do you want it? Do you even really like it that much? Asking the right questions will get you to um, better and more empowered answers. So what I want to teach people is that you can absolutely decide intentionally to avoid 
restrict or completely um, lower your consumption of an entire food group if you want. And that cannot feel restrictive. That can be intentional if it's coming from a place of empowerment and nourishment, right? It doesn't have to be restrictive just because you're saying, you know what, I don't eat cake pops. I actually personally don't eat cake pops. I'll say why, like, I don't really even like them that much. And they don't feel that nourishing or nourishing physically, mentally, or emotionally to me. And I don't really like them that much. And so I choose intentionally to avoid them. Am I restricting myself? Absolutely not. That is a choice. That's a feeling. Restriction is a feeling. It's not, right? It's not a hard and fast rule. Absolutely. Yeah. So well said. I personally feel that most of us are so disconnected from ourselves that yeah. we really have no idea what we feel, right? Yeah. We, we're just numb. We're like zombies kind of walking around. For me, it's very much like going into a Walmart. I Walmart <laughs> at all costs because I feel like I have entered into the um, into the zombie apocalypse. apocalypse. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> Because if you observe behavior and you look around and you see people, they're just mindlessly putting yeah. into their cart. They have no idea why. It's just a yeah. behavior. We just, we yeah. pick the burritos, we pick the Coca-Cola, and we're not really present with why we're actually putting those things into our cart, putting yeah. them on the thing to pay for them, and then we bring them home. We just mindlessly partake indulging, and while we're indulging we start feeling a lot of guilt and shame because somewhere subconsciously we know that it's not in alignment with what we yeah. actually want for ourselves yeah so yeah. connected we can't yeah. connect the dots mm -hmm. so so what is one tip you would give to the audience the person who is struggling and you know they've tried everything and they just want to feel better. Where, how would you direct them? Where would mm. they um, Feel better with food, feel better with their body image, feel better with their weight. There's so many different, like which one? So, um, right? Is yeah. that a start? Pick one, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So I have so many tips I want to give them, but um, I would say one of the one of the places that people go to and gets really dark is um, all of this guilt and shame and degradation in front of the mirror, right? So what you see when you look in the mirror, I have people who are just, they don't look in the mirror, they avoid it altogether because it's so bad, right? Um, and they'll say to me, okay, everybody tells me I'm supposed to look in front of the mirror and say, I love myself. I, you know, I, all these positive affirmations, positive affirmations do not work if you don't believe them, right? And so you can't go from, all of this self-deprecation and all of these mean things that you're saying to yourself to, I love my body, right? Like people feel it's incongruent, right? Um, and your body knows that it's incongruent and it will reject that. So um, the, what I tell people is the first step in changing the way that you view your body and having a better relationship to your body, and this sounds funny, but you have to decide to stop feeling bad about it. And what that means is that you have to actively take a stance of the first line of defense is to not say the mean thing, mm -hmm. right? And so you don't replace it with a nice thing. You just decide your mission is to just stop saying the mean thing. Right. That's it. Right. You, so you train yourself to every time you look in the mirror, every time you put on your clothes, every time you are thinking about your body, what you train it to do is to stop saying the mean thing. Every time you catch yourself about to say, oh, I'm going to look fat in that. Oh, my rolls hang over in this. Oh, I don't like the way my butt looks in that. You stop. And that is the first line of defense. And then there's, you know, there's steps to take to incorporate um, what to do now. And I won't leave your, I won't leave the listeners hanging. So the next step is to pick a thought that you can believe in a little bit, right? So it doesn't go from, I'm going to choose to not put hateful thoughts out there to, I love my body. It goes, um, I'm willing to be compassionate. That's it, right? Like if it's just this little tiny movement in that direction, I'm willing to see myself with compassion. Um, or at least I'm willing to treat myself with compassion. And then we, move, we inch a little bit closer. But one of the mistakes people make is they go, I hate my body to, okay, affirmations, I love my body. Well, 
they'll stop doing them because it's not congruent, right, from the cognitive perspective. So um, I would say one of the biggest things people can do to help themselves to decide to stop saying mean things and commit to that decision. And what you'll notice is just how often you say the mean things, because every time you decide to stop saying it, you'll go, geez, I do that like all day. Right. And then when you take that all day behavior away, you can start to then put in little shifts of I'm willing to be compatible. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So what I'm hearing you say is we have to stop judging ourselves for the thoughts that we're having. We just have to choose to let it go and to be present and mindful that it is happening, but let go of that guilt and shame that is associated yeah. with that thought. You know, yeah. we could have a whole nother podcast episode about the physiological response that is elicited when we have guilt and shame. Yep. The number one thought that elicits the stress response in the body. Same. So if we're wanting to lose weight, and we're having all this guilt and shame around, you know, the things that, that when we pass the mirror and we look at ourselves and we're like, yep. oh my God, you're so fat and you suck, right? Like all of these things, yep. literally setting ourselves up for failure with any attempt that we make with choosing different foods or trying to exercise become from, because from a physiological perspective, the second we have that thought, it elicits the stress response. And there's a very specific hormonal pattern that occurs that is working yeah. against us just to keep us in that survival mode. Yeah. So I love this. I, I love the fact that, um, you know, this tip that you're giving everyone is let's just be present. Let's just yeah. let go. Let's choose yeah. to not judge ourselves anymore yeah. so that we can disconnect from all of that guilt and shame that we carry around, especially women. I mean, yeah. Well, I am, I like to say that I am a recovering, um, perfectionist mm -hmm. and professional half-asser. <laughs> something that was so hard for me, you yeah. know, it took me to get cancer to realize yeah. the importance of stress management and how yeah. stress plays a role in the body. So, yeah. um, you know, I encourage us all to let go of those perfectionist ways, that perfectionist mindset and become professional half-assers because <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing, like literally so beautiful. And it doesn't mean that I don't do things um, that I'm proud of. Yeah, of course. But I, the expectation yeah. I set for myself is so much more realistic. Realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you pointed out the physiology of stress and when we treat ourselves that way, um, because I think people aren't thinking actively about people think that when they say mean things to themselves, that that's going to be a motivating factor to do something different. Right. And like to your point, it's it's it, from a physiological perspective, it's working against them. And then I'll take it one step further on the woo-woo scale. But if you approach your desire to be healthy from a place of I'm, I'm fat and I, here's the things I hate about myself, then all you're doing is telling your subconscious that you're fat and here's the things you should hate about yourself. And you just get more of that over and over and over again. If you ever want to get out of that cycle, you cannot work to get healthy from a place of hate and fear and deprivation because hate and fear and deprivation are just going to bring you more hate and fear and deprivation. You have to work to get healthy from a place of compassion, ease, love, joy, however you want to describe it, right? Um, so people just stay stuck in this cycle, not only physiologically, but from an energetic perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. You and I are in alignment. <laughs> no. You know, our, our approach with trying to encourage people to think differently about yeah. getting healthy. Um, you have provided so much value. I am mm. so grateful. Can you, you talk to me? I'm going to ask you one more question. Tell me yeah. how you feel about intuitive eating and this whole movement that it, mm. that especially on social media, where most people are turning to get their their advice. Talk to me about what your perspective is. Um, yeah, I, hands down, what I want to say first and foremost is if intuitive eating is working for you, keep doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just never stop doing something that is actually working for you. Um, what I have found 
in my work with people who have come to me after they have tried intuitive eating and feel like they have failed at it is that the one drawback that in my research of intuitive eating that it doesn't take into account is when our brains from a physiological perspective get hijacked from the type of food that we're eating and then expecting ourselves to understand the messages from a from an intuitive place when those messages have been hijacked by the prefrontal cortex of our brain, right? And so what I mean by that is if you are someone who eats a lot of processed food mostly um, or, or even just eats a lot of processed food in, in general, that food is hijacking the prefrontal cortex of your brain and making it just more difficult for you. Prefrontal cortex, of course, is, is um, responsible for executive functioning, making good decisions for yourself. It is more difficult for you to make a decision, make a decision that is in line with your health goals when that part of your brain has been hijacked, right? And so what I find is that people, you know, they they if they're trying intuitive eating and what they find themselves doing is you know, have having take taken the reins off a little bit and they're exploring and they're eating a lot of processed food, junk food, or a lot of, you know, sugar and flour and things like that, which again, I don't tell people to eliminate those things, but I do want them to be aware of the impact that it has on their ability to make good decisions for themselves. So I think, I feel like what I do is a, is a modified version of teaching people how to eat more intuitively but also with intention. So I have, you know, I prefer the term intentional eating because it implies, right? It implies that people will say, you know what? I know that when I eat these things, this happens to me. So I'm going to intentionally avoid that without restriction, shame, or guilt, or fear. It's I'm going to intentionally avoid it because it doesn't support my nutrition. It doesn't feel nourishing to me physically, mentally, or emotionally after I eat it. Right. And even while I'm eating it, I can tell, I mean, I, I have had this myself, goldfish, I'm over here. If I stick my hand in my child's goldfish bag, I know I can feel it. I can feel the brain flip this switch of it just, it, I'm compelled to eat more. I, I know what's happening there. The food has been chemically engineered to make my brain do that. And so I intentionally avoid them. And that's not deprivation, restriction, or fear. It is that it doesn't support my nutritional needs. Oh, I love that. That could not have been more beautifully said. And I think that there's mm. a lot of people out there who are going to hear that message and it's going to really resonate with them. Oh, good. I hope so. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I hear, you know, I hear clients all the time who say, I just can't stop eating the bad stuff and <laughs> yeah. so putting shifting yeah the way that they think about eating those foods is so yeah. vital in terms yeah. of being able to sustainably avoid them or yeah. choose that they're going to pick something that is going to be better. Yeah. Um, you and I literally, we're going to have to have an, a whole nother podcast. <laughs> so many things that we can talk so about. So fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No. The work that you're doing is just so beautiful. We oh, you know, thank you. clients are so lucky to have you. And I feel the same about you. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you know, I just think you're an incredibly beautiful human. And oh, thank you. The opportunity to work with you is so, so fortunate to give themselves that gift and be able oh, to, thank you, Heather. to rethink their approach at um, all of this. So, so tell me, how can the audience find you? Yeah, uh, super simple, elizakingsford.com. Everything is there. And on the socials, I'm at Eliza Kingsford. So um, easy to find me there. Uh, and yeah, I would, you know, I feel, I think, I think you know this about me, but I feel like people are, are drawn to what they need at the time that they need it. And so, um, you know, I think you're, I feel the same about you. I feel like your clients are so beautifully blessed to be able to have you and their support in their lives. Um, and if you ever, if there's ever anyone out there that feels drawn, um, to work with me, reach out. I do a free discovery call and, and we can explore a conversation together. And, um, yeah. Awesome. Do you have anything right now that you are currently promoting? I am, you know, I, uh, I have launched a 14 day jumpstart program for 
people who, and it's, it is, um, it is, it is focused solely on how to shift your relationship to food and body. So no nutrition, no, no food or anything like that, because I leave that to people like you and the experts. Um, but I, it's, it's all about how to change your relationship to food and your body. Um, and people are, are loving, um, that. So the 14 day jumpstart is out. Um, I have completely revamped my online course and that is launching, um, I don't know exactly when this podcast will actually come live, but so it'll be launching very soon. Okay. Should be towards the end of January is the goal. Awesome. Then likely the course will already be awesome. already be complete and out. And so people can um, uh, people can check that out. I actually gave people a code specifically for this okay. um, for this podcast. I will make sure to link that code, which will be Vixen. I'll have all of the details, how they can find you. I am so, yeah. so, so truly grateful for me too. to have this conversation. I think that you have provided massive value for a lot of individuals who are out there struggling. And um, thank you for all of your talents, the energy yeah. that you bring. You're just a beautiful human. I'm so grateful that you and I had an opportunity to meet New York. Yeah. Me and forward to having a continued relationship with you and I definitely want you back on like literally I hope you can make more time for us <laughs> you absolutely awesome. like awesome. I love this you know I'll jump at the chance to connect with you anytime I love it Heather thank you so much for having me I love talking with you and and um I hope your listeners got some value out of it so you are beautifully beautifully blessed soul I can't wait to talk again well, thank you again. I can't wait. You guys, everyone go follow her. She's amazing. ElizaKingsford.com. You can find her on all social media at Eliza Kingsford. I will make sure to link all of the um, social media website, all of the stuff, and also the promotion that she has going on. Do not miss out on this. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. I'm so grateful that you stopped by. If you could just take a minute to share this episode with someone you think who would love it, it would be amazing. Take a screenshot that you've listened to the episode and tag at Think Yourself Healthy and myself at Nutrition Vixen so that I can share it. Leave a review on iTunes to let us know how much you loved being here and what you want to hear next. Until next time, don't forget to think yourself healthy. Thanks again, guys. Bye.